This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, July 16th, 2012. I'm Caleb Brown. Outsourcing is a divisive buzzword meant to conjure visions of factories dismantled and reassembled across the border. But that idea fundamentally misses the point of trade. Dan Eikenson, director of the Cato Institute's Trade Policy Studies, argues that outsourcing is about lowering costs and improving the lives of customers around the world. Some of the people complaining about President Obama's record on trade are people who ought to be his political allies. But uh, as was pointed out by you uh, and others, the Washington Post last week reported uh, that President Obama's inability to clamp down on unfettered trade, I believe it, I believe the actual was, was, was part of the term used, right. uh, was a discredit to him as president thus far. The, the article really was about outsourcing and there's just vast misunderstanding in the United States about outsourcing. Um, outsourcing is a term that – it's a derisive term that really re- refers to foreign direct investment abroad. Now, if you talk to people in the outsourcing industry, uh, they, they're upset that, the, that, that that term has been uh, co-opted uh, by uh, trades detractors. Because outsourcing refers to me hiring somebody down the block to do something that I otherwise would do. Right. So offshoring was the term that we used to apply to U.S. companies that that allowed fun- that performed functions abroad uh, uh, for their broader operation. Then there was a time when we talked about offshoring as just referring to manufacturing outsourcing, and then outsourcing referred to sort of services and IT jobs and things like that. that, that went anyway, now we're talking about outsourcing in this broader context, referring to uh, companies performing some of their functions abroad. This is just a reflection of globalization. I mean, 230 years ago, Adam Smith talked about the, the virtues of specialization. This is specialization writ large. Factory floor has broken through its walls and now spans borders and oceans. Uh, and to produce a product uh, today, it's not our producers against their producers. It's not all produced under one roof. Uh, these are competing global supply chains. And just like consumers need access to imports uh, to help keep bid down prices and, and to help assure better quality and greater variety, U.S. producers need access to foreign produced inputs as well. They need to produce as, as efficiently as possible. They are competing with uh, producers around the world. You know, 95% of the world's population lives abroad. And unfortunately, the media and, po- and policymakers like to talk about the scary aspects of that. Well, that means, you know, 95% of the world's workers are abroad and they're coming for your jobs. Well, that also means that there's plenty of opportunity for collaboration. And there are plenty of markets for U.S. products abroad. So let's look at the broader picture. Globalization has a, has a very happy story in outsourcing. In terms of inputs, as you point out repeatedly and should be pointed out over and over and over again, about half of the value of what we import to the United States is stuff that American producers use to make other stuff. That's right. It's about uh, about uh, almost close to 60% of the value of U.S. imports in 2011 were raw materials, intermediate goods, and and capital equipment. So we are uh, very integrated in in the global economy, and it's a process that we uh, need to encourage, uh, you know, not only for finding less expensive ways to produce products, but also to serve demand abroad. In fact, 
about 90% of the $4 trillion worth of, of direct investment abroad owned by Americans, about 90% of that is for production for those economies. You know, a, a lot of Americans have in their mind this vision of a factory in the United States being taken down bolt for bolt, rafter for rafter, machine by machine, and being resurrected in Mexico or China to serve demand in the United States. That's, uh, that's unlikely. That happens very little. In fact, only about 10% of foreign U.S. investment abroad is for serving demand back in the United States. So if American companies want to reach foreign customers, it's, it's more likely that they're going to do that through foreign subsidiaries nowadays. And there is a relationship between investment abroad and hiring abroad and investment at home and hiring at home because there are complementary positions created at the parent at home. Uh, so that, th these, are, these are important facts that uh, seem to elude the broader discussion that we're having uh, in, in the ra on radio and in, in the news. People who oppose outsourcing broadly construed also uh, make a point of saying, well, look, a lot of these jobs are jobs that Americans could be doing, but uh, these companies, very greedy, are just chasing low wages. They're chasing lax environmental standards. They're uh, chasing essentially cheap production, which, I mean, as we should know, that's what companies are always chasing, no matter where they are, when they are. Yeah, I mean, companies are not necessarily chasing low wages or uh, lax standards, but they're looking for the best way to produce their products. And not just the cost of production, uh, what is the most efficient way to produce my product and get it in the hands of my customer? Uh, so. Uh, more often than not, it's not the low-wage countries that are, are the ideal locales for, for these operations. In fact, uh, the, the overwhelming majority, about 75 percent of U.S. foreign direct investment is in other rich countries. Um, but outsourcing, to a great extent, is a function of policy competition. You know, out outsourcing reflects competition, and that, that necessitates policy competition to attract investment. Um, there are a lot of uh, policies in place in the United States that are deterring businesses from investing and hiring here. Highest tax rates among OECD countries, uh, a very difficult regulatory burden. According to a survey of business executives conducted by the World Economic Forum last year, the United States, States ranks 57th in terms of the regulatory burden. Uh, we have a dearth of high-skilled workers. Uh, our immigration policy is not... Uh, prescient or is not accommodating of the idea that we are uh, running behind in the skills that we need to man our 20th, 21st century uh, manufacturing sector, our ideas sector. So in, in that sense, outsourcing is a bit of an indictment on, on policy. Uh, people say, well, does this mean that uh, there's this inexorable uh, exit of, of jobs from the United States as, as investment goes abroad? No, there's plenty of investment here in the United States. Uh, in fact, f foreign companies uh, have about $2.4 trillion worth of foreign investment in the United States. They employ 5.3 million workers. Uh, you know, Airbus, uh, ThyssenKrupp steel companies, you've heard of all the foreign nameplate auto producers, chemical companies. So uh, it's a two-way street. Uh, and uh, in it, 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 the president talks about insourcing, he, but by insourcing, he means getting the U.S. companies that went abroad to come back. Insourcing means attracting – the insourcing is broader than that. It means attracting any investment that you can here, and you can do that with better policies. There is a policy competition underway, and as I've said before, uh, 
what, what we are, we're in an, an environment now where governments are competing for the best talent in the world as well as investment, and you do that with the best policies. Dan Eikenson is director of the Herbert A. Stiefel Center for Trade Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at cato.org.